Hey, uh, welcome to Encounter, guys. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, uh, I want to see some thumbs if your Thanksgiving was good, just okay, or bad. Let me see some thumbs. Show me. Let me see. Good? Some? Okay. No one down? That's great. All right. Good. Hey, uh, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had an amazing time with your, your family and your friends. I had enough Thanksgiving food to last me until next year. I'll just say that. I had it four or five times. Shout out to divorced parents and uh, shout out to friends givings. I had enough for uh, last me until this next year. And uh, I'm going to start off today by making some of you upset. And I'm sorry. I have to say, I, I think Thanksgiving is just okay. Like the food to me is just all right. It's not my favorite. Like I'm more into like hot wings and sushi type of guy, okay? So I really like Thanksgiving food. I'll eat it, okay? And this will also make you mad. I think Christmas starts November 1st. So I'm already setting up. I got Christmas music in the car. Is anyone with me? Is anyone on my team? Thank you. My people, division in the church early. This is great. I love it. You're probably sitting next to someone with their hand down, and they're just looking at you, shaking their head at you. How dare you? But now that Thanksgiving is done, Merry Christmas. We're all on the same page again. Merry Christmas, guys. I'm so excited. Now we get to celebrate Jesus and Santa. All right. Hey, uh, I, uh, I'm excited to be up here, and uh, we are entering a really important time and season of Christmas, and uh, I'm really excited for this next, uh, next season that we have here at Encounter. Before we read scripture, the most important thing um, for today, and I, I just want to pray first, and so I'm going to bring some youth ministry elements of what we do at our youth group on Wednesday to you guys. I hope you're okay with that. We do prayer elements pretty often within youth group, and so I would love for you to join me in that. So if you want to just close your eyes, maybe get comfortable. You closing your eyes only means that you won't be distracted by the people around you or you won't have an issue of maybe your phone or bumping the person next to you. Just keep your eyes closed so just for this prayer and in this time that I'm going to lead you in. It's just for you and God. That's it. My eyes will be open so I'll know if your eyes are open. So I really encourage you to close your eyes. Go ahead and take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Probably all had an interesting and crazy week. We now just get to take a deep breath. I want to pray about two things. Two things that I think is really important for us. Maybe we don't pray about too often. With your eyes closed, I want you just to put two fingers out, almost like you're putting a peace sign, just so you can feel that you have two prayers you're about to pray. So you just put two fingers up right in front of you. You could be on your lap. For the first prayer, I want you to pray this. I want you to think about someone in your life. I want you to picture what they look like, a family or a friend, or maybe the name pops up, of someone who doesn't know Jesus. Someone you know that doesn't know Jesus. Someone really close to you. It could be a coworker. It could be a friend at school. And I want you to just imagine what they look like. Now, I want you to pray right now that they will have the opportunity at some point to get to know Jesus somehow from now until the end of the year. And what I mean by that is I'm not, although I would love this, I would love for them to accept Christ and have a relationship with him, which I think is possible with God. But I also mean even on a easier way for them to see it, maybe through an Instagram post that you reposted. Maybe it's hearing about Jesus through a Christmas song that they didn't even think it was about Jesus in the first place. They're now hearing it. And maybe it's because of that that they are going to get closer or get to know who Jesus is, the next step to accepting him into their hearts. I want you to pray for that person right now. Go ahead.
next. For the second prayer, that second finger you're holding up. I want you to pray right now that God will reveal something special to you from now until the end of the year. Maybe you don't even know what that special thing is. Maybe it actually is an answer to a prayer that you've been praying for this entire year that maybe God can now reveal it from now until the end of the year. Maybe it's a passion or a vision that you've been hoping for that maybe you, you want God to reveal that from now until the end of the year. Maybe for some of us, it's something special that we don't even know yet. That when we feel it, when we see it, we know that that's from God. I want you to take a second and pray for the special thing that you want God to reveal to you. Go ahead. God, I thank you for this time that we're able to pray to you, God. We get to imagine someone close to us, someone we know who needs you, Jesus, and we just have the opportunity to pray for them. So God, I pray that they will see a glimpse of who you are in this season. God, that it won't just be presents and Christmas trees, but that they're going to see, maybe it's through us, through our church, through our community, that we are, are celebrating you, God that this season, that this time is, is about you. And so I pray that they can see a glimpse of who you are, maybe through a post, through a song, through a conversation, through an invite to a service. God, I just pray that they have the opportunity to see you, to know you, and one step closer to accepting you. God, for the people in this room who prayed for something special, God, we don't even know what it is maybe. Maybe it's something we've been wanting for a long time. God, I pray that you can reveal something special to us from now to the end of the year. You hold the power to do it. So God, we thank you so much for being close to us, letting us walk with you. God, we thank you for this time. We're going to read your word, the most important thing to us. God, we get to hear what you want to show us today. Let us apply it to our lives. Let us use it on a Monday. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Go to grab your Bibles. If you have your Bible, flip open to Matthew chapter 19. And if you don't, there are Bibles in the seat back pockets in front of you. And also, hey, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay, too. We would love to get you a Bible. I have plenty in my office. Our church has tons. You could steal the one that's in that seat back pocket. That's okay. We believe that it is the truth, and, uh, and I think it's important that all of us have the opportunity to read it every single day if you want to. We have the freedom and privilege to do that, so we want you to be able to have the opportunity to actually read it. Matthew chapter 19. You can also use your phones too. Middle school and high school is over here. You can't use your phones. Keep your phones in your pockets, all right? No phones for you guys, all right? Come on. Everyone else, I think it's fine. You're going to see words in black, words in red. We're going to see a conversation between Jesus and a man in this section. If you're there, say word. A couple of you, I'll give you a couple more seconds. First book of the New Testament. What we're going to read is a true thing that happened, we just get to be a part of accepting it and seeing the truth within it. Matthew 19, verse 16. If you're there now, say word. Okay, most of us. Just so you know, we're going to read it all the way through once. 
I'm going to talk a little bit, keep your Bibles open, because I would love to actually go back to it, read it again, pull it out, dissect it, see what other context we have within the scripture that we get to pull out to really get the full juice from this, okay? Here we go, 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away because he away he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, "Truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 25, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I'm not uh, up here too often, so I want to share a little bit about my, uh, my family. This is a picture we have of my family. This is Lexi, my wife. We've been together since we were 14. Uh, just a little plug, we actually grew up in this church, and we were in kids' choir and praise kids as well. She's in the front. She's, like, dancing in the front like this. And I'm in the back, and I can't sing, so I'm just pretending like I can. And uh, we knew each other from when we were really young, and we went through the youth group, and uh, we got married. And we have two kids. The youngest one that I'm holding, that is Georgia. She is two and a half months And uh, this is Sailor, who we're going to talk about in a second. She is two and a half years. This is my little family. If you've ever had a two-year-old in your house or you've been around two-year-olds, you know how much they teach you about patience. Anyone on the same page? You learn that I'm still learning as a parent that I'm learning more and more about patience. She is very kind. She's loving. She also is hitting a point in her life where she thinks she knows what's best. And so as the parent, I'm always reminding her, I am smarter than you. No, I don't care. I don't tell her that. But she thinks she knows what's best. This is one of her toys called the Box of Shapes. When she was around two years old, we would play this pretty often, and she would try to get all the shapes in, and she would get most of them. One day we're playing with it, and she's holding this rectangle, this little green rectangle. And she keeps trying to put it in this triangle spot. So she keeps putting it in. She's realizing that she can't do it a little bit. She still tries. And as her dad, who I know what's best for her, and I'm smarter than her, I'm saying, that's never going to fit in there. I actually have the piece that you need, and it's this triangle. You need to let go of this rectangle, and I'll give you the triangle, and it'll actually fit, and you'll see that it works. But she says, no, no, I got it. So she keeps trying, and she's trying to figure it out. And in my brain, I'm trying to decide, do I want to, do I want to just pull that piece out of her hand and give her the triangle and say, this is the piece you need. I, I have the piece. I, I know exactly what you need. This is it. The perfect fit. But I didn't. I let her try to figure it out herself. And so she keeps trying, and it is not going in there. Minutes later, she realizes she's kind of holding on to it with the grip, and she, she finally lets go, and I'm holding the triangle, and I decide, I'm like, do I want to give this to her? So I do. Her, her hand is empty, 
I give it to her. She finally tries. She figures it out. Goes right in. She looks at me and says, Dad, it fits. I said, of course it fits. I've been telling you for five minutes. <clears throat> of course it fits. I didn't yell her. I didn't tell her that. Don't worry. The reason why I share this story is because to her, she thought the rectangle was the right fit. She kept trying and trying to make it work, and it didn't work. It was until she let go of it, she had this empty hand now, that I placed the triangle in her hand, and she tried it and figured out that that's actually the perfect fit of what she's been trying to do that entire time. I share this because this molds with the story we just read. This young rich man is holding on to something that's causing him to not fully trust God. And he needs to let go of this if he wants to move forward with trusting God with his whole heart. So we're going to read it again. And this thing he's holding on to, which we will come back to over and over, the thing that he has a full grip on is what we're going to talk about today. Well, what are we holding on to? I want to read scripture again. I want to read it one more time. I love to read it over and over in different ways and pulling parts out of it so we can see what else is within here. Hopefully you still have it open, okay? Here we go. Matthew 19, verse 16. We're we'll start from the beginning. <clears throat> says this. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher. <clears throat> I want to stop there. He says the word teacher. He's identifying that Jesus is his teacher and I am a student. So he's saying, I understand that I am going to learn from you, Jesus. What you say means you are my teacher and I'm going to listen. So I'm going to try to follow everything you're saying. I want to ask for your advice here. He says, what good thing must I do to enter eternal life? Jesus replies, why do you ask about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. I can imagine Jesus saying, you're looking at the good thing. I am the good thing. I am the good teacher. I'm the one you, you're, you're looking for. So with that being said, let me answer your second part. He says, if you want to enter life, he takes out the word eternal there. I think that's important to see because on, mine, on my end, when he takes out the word eternal, he's saying, I want you to focus on life itself first. You're asking about eternal life. Let's talk about life first. He says, keep my commandments. Verse 18, which ones, he inquired. Jesus then replies back with, I do not murder, commit adultery, or steal, or false testimony, and honor your, your mom and dad, and love your neighbors as yourself. And he says, all these things I've kept, what else do I still lack? He's saying, Jesus, I do all the things you ask me to do. I follow the Ten Commandments. I, I don't steal. I love my mom and dad. I go to church on a Sunday, and I even tithe. What else am I supposed to be doing? I'm doing the things that I think a Christian is supposed to be doing. I'm doing all those things. Like, what else am I lacking? And Jesus comes in, comes in hot right here and says, if you want to be perfect, if you have a highlighter or a pen, circle that word perfect, I almost look at that as like an impossible challenge. The word perfect is pretty hard to handle when Jesus is telling you, if you want to be perfect, here's what you need to do. Almost like this impossible challenge. Saying, I know you want to try to strive for this, Here's what you have to do. Go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have the treasure in heaven. Then you can come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. I imagine as soon as he's turning away from Jesus, he's, he realizes as he's holding on to this thing, to him it's his riches. He's saying, you need to let go of all that. And then once you do that, then you can come follow me. This young man says, I don't know about that one. So what does he do? He turns away, sad, and starts walking away. I feel like immediately then he starts talking to his disciples. See, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
He even tells him again in, in, a, in a creative way. He says, it's like this, a big camel trying to fit in the eye of a needle. That's how impossible this is going to be for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. In different seasons of our life, we are going to be this young, rich man. Here's what I mean. Some of you are saying, well, first of all, I'm not rich. Like, you can see my bank account. So that, this story doesn't apply to me, but it does. Jesus wasn't after this thing that he has, which is his riches, his money. Jesus wasn't after the riches. Jesus was after his heart. This is the thing he's holding on to with the firm grip saying, this is why I'm not trusting you. This is why I can't move forward with giving me my whole self, my whole life. So for us, we ask ourselves, what is this thing then? For some of us, it could be, it could be our finances. It could be, I mean, we don't know if this young man has earned the money that he has. We don't know if he was born into it, but we know that he has it. And this is the thing that's causing him to not move forward. Not to fully trust God. So then we ask ourselves, what is this thing that we might be holding on to? Because I believe we will all be in a place in different seasons of our life that we're holding on to something that's causing us to not fully trust God. And I mean every season of our life. We think we can until God brings up something new. And we're like, oh, I don't know about that. But this young rich man, it's his money saying, oh, I'll just go back to, I'll go back to just following you and trying to do the right things and doing what a Christian should be doing. But man, you want me to get rid of my everything I have, all my money, I can't do that. Maybe for you, this thing that you're holding on to could be a relationship. It could be that you have a hope for this relationship or, or maybe the idea that maybe if I'm in a relationship or I have a boyfriend or girlfriend or I could get married first, then I'll trust God. That's when I'm going to start my relationship with God. Or maybe for some of us, it's, it's the pain from a past experience, something that we're saying, well, this is now my identity. This is who I've, I've now lived with this thing in my life and I can't let go of this. You want me to let go so I can follow you and trust you? I can't. This is who I am now. Maybe for some, it's your dreams or expectations for your future. You're saying, man, if, as, as long as I get into this college or as long as I, could, I have this career or I get this job, then I'll start trusting God. But until then, I can't let go of that. What if that means I won't have that job? What if that means I won't get into that college? I can't do that. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's the fear that we have. We're holding on to the fear that we don't know what that's going to look like if we were to let go. So I don't want to let go in the first place. Maybe for some of our students or even for us as adults, it could be the popularity, the fitting in, the doing what our other friends are doing. Or saying, man, that look, the, look at the life they're doing. If I want to be a Christian, I have to hold on to this because that, this is what they're doing and they're not Christian. And maybe this will be the chance I get to fit in. We all have something in different seasons of our life that we're holding on to something. We just need to identify what it is. Because if we want to let God move within our life and we want to give all aspects of who we are, this new self that God has called us to, we must let go of this grip, of this thing we're holding on to. And so if that's you, if you're saying, I, I identify that, I see what it is, I know I need to, but what do I need to do next? Maybe for some of you, you're saying, well, actually, I don't even know if I do, but it sounds like I might in a, in a future season or something that I could be holding on to at one time. I have three points that I just believe that has helped me and maybe can help you. So if you are taking notes, I encourage that, even on your phone. If you want to write these down, these are the things I want you to go back to this week when you're, when you're thinking about this sermon. The first one is this, brick by brick. Brick by brick. It's a saying meaning one step at a time. When you're building something, you one brick at a time, and all of a sudden you see what you've just built. This house, this wall, you have built something that is one brick at a time, one step at a time. So if you want to say, I want to trust God, it's going to be one step at a time to move forward with letting go. Almost like loosening each finger to, for, to, to forcibly let go whatever you're holding on to. But I have this quote that goes along with this. 
which this will make sense. It's a quote by C.S. Lewis. I feel like this isn't a sermon unless you quote C.S. Lewis, so I have to share it. This is what he says. You can just listen along. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes, to, comes in to rebuild that house, and at first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right, and he's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But he starts knocking the house in a way that hurts and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. He's throwing out a wing here and and putting up an extra floor there and running towers. He's making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. Read that last part again. I want you to see it. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace, a mansion. He intends to come and live in it himself. Doesn't this sound amazing? Wouldn't we want what we think what we deserve is this cottage? We're saying we're holding on to something, and if, maybe if I let go of this, maybe God can just fix this cottage, fix my, my life that I have. What I deserve is this cottage, this love that he's going to give me. But then Jesus enters in, and we trust him fully, and he says, now nah, I'm going to come live in this life with you. I'm going to do life with you. Give me your whole heart, and I'm going to change things that you weren't even expecting in the first place. Amen. The one thing you're holding on to, you're thinking, man, this is what he's going to fix. I know it. So you let go. You think, I'm going to trust God brick by brick. But all of a sudden, he's building different things. You're like, wait, I didn't even know I needed to be fixed there. I didn't even know I needed a courtyard. God wants to do amazing things. But all we have to do is give all aspects of our life to him. Leads me to my point number two. This is what I think of when, I, when I'm trying to let go. Maybe you do as well. The scariest part of letting go is the feeling of being empty. Oh, the scariest part of letting go is that feeling of being empty. It's like when my daughter, when she's holding on to this, until she finally decides that this is not the right shape for for the spot that she's trying to fill, she lets go of it, and her hand is now empty. And she's waiting for me to give her the triangle. Sometimes for us, when we want to trust God, we want to, but the hardest part is saying, this is is what's scary, is when our, our hand is open and we have nothing in it. Maybe for some of us, the thing we're holding on to could be an addiction that we have. We're saying, this is what I've done my entire life, and now when I don't have it, I feel empty. Or my foundation of what I don't want to let go of is this relationship that I have, or, or the hope that, that this will change, and, and so we let go of it, and now we feel empty, like we feel worthless. We have nothing to look forward to in our life. But God is saying, between this divine exchange, is what I want to call it, The divine exchange between God giving us what he wants for us and us letting go is powerful because that's when we need to be obedient to God in this time. For my daughter, it was only a couple seconds before I gave her the triangle. But for some of us, it can take years before we see what God is actually moving and shaping and transforming that we get to a point where we have the right shape and we say, wow, look at where I'm at now. I trusted God. It took a long time for me to actually fully be there. I was scared. I felt empty. But if I, was, if I was giving my whole self, this new self to God, without holding on who I used to be, these things that I'm trying to let go of, these things that I think are getting in the way, look at what he's done. Although it's scary, God is going to move. But what we need to do is allow God to fully move within us. Stephen Furtick, who's a, who's a pastor who I really like, he had a quote a couple of months ago that said this. 
Why are you so loyal to a worse version of ourselves? Why are we so loyal to a worse version of ourselves? Why? Why are we trying to move forward when we're holding hands with our past self? God is holding something that's, that, that is better. We're, we're so loyal to who we used to be or these things that's causing us to not fully trust God. Why are we so loyal to it? I, I like to imagine if you ever go to monkey bars on, on a playground, I'm going to tell you, though, if I were to go on a monkey bars today, I probably couldn't do it, okay? A lot of you probably couldn't do it, too. I don't know why you're laughing. No. <laughs> if you were to go on a playground right now and you start swinging on the monkey bars, the objective is to get from one side to the others of the, on the monkey bar. So you grab it, you're swinging forward, you know what you're supposed to be doing, but then if you get to a place and you don't let go of this bar behind you, you're not going to move forward. You can't go anywhere. You are now stuck. The objective is to, is to move forward. So you need to let go to actually fulfill this objective. In the same way as our faith and our trust with God. How do you expect to move forward when we keep holding hands with our old self when God is saying there is someone new for you and I know what's going to give you that full trust and it's me? I don't know why we're so loyal to a worse version of ourselves. I have point number three, but before I share it, I feel like when I, when I talk about letting go, I feel like a lot of us could be saying things in our head like, Austin, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the pain that I've gone through. You don't know, you don't know how I've, what I've gone through. This is, the, this is who I am now. I can't let go of this. Or some of you might be saying, you don't know how hard I've worked for this. You don't know the time and hours I've put in to make who I am today or this thing that's causing me. I can't let go of it. Or, Austin, I want this so bad. I want, I want this for my future. I want this, this is my expectation of who I'm going to be. And I can't let go of that. I can't give that to God. I need to make sure that I'm in control of this. Some of us might be saying that. If you're going to hear anything today, I want it to be this. I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know what that thing is in your life. I know what mine is in every season of my life. I know what mine is. I don't know what yours is but I do know something that is better, and his name is Jesus. Amen. I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know if it's pain. I don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's the things that you have. It's your expectation. It's your identity. But I do know something that is better, and his name is Jesus. Imagine what he'll do when we let go and give him our full aspect of our life. Everything we have. We think we deserve this cottage, and we want him just to fix this. No, he's building into a mansion. He's adding courtyards. A second story. He's putting a jacuzzi in the backyard. Sounds great. God wants to do more in your life than you can even expect. All we have to do is give him our whole heart. Not partially. Not some parts. Not go through the motions of saying, I come to church on Sunday. I tithe. I serve once in a while. God wants your whole heart. He wants every part of who you are. Even the parts that hurt. The things that will make us feel empty. But when we do that, something amazing happens in our life. So I don't know what you're holding on to, but I know something that's better, and his name is Jesus. I named this, uh, this, this sermon series One Day and Tomorrow. One Day and Tomorrow, and you're probably wondering why. I think those are two phrases that we see pretty often or that we say to ourselves. I see it a lot in youth ministry. One day I'm going to start trusting God. No, 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 tomorrow I'm going to start actually trusting in God. Nah, not today, man. One day I'm going to do it. When I have a wife... 
and I've got kids and I want them in that children's ministry, that's when I'm going to start trusting in God. No, man, it's when my husband or wife come back to church with me, that's when I'm going to start trusting in God. No, it's when my friends around me at school, when they start deciding that they have a relationship with God, that's when I'm going to start going to church and trusting him. What if we switch those words instead of saying one day and tomorrow, we say today and right now. Today and right now. What's holding us back? Why are we so loyal to a worse version of ourselves when God has something better for us, when we give all aspects of our life? I tell our, our youth ministry this all the time. Some of the most important days for our students are Mondays and Thursdays. Some of the most important days to them are going to be Mondays and Thursdays. And the reason why is because they come to church on a Sunday and hear a sermon, and they come to youth group on a Wednesday and read scripture. Those are two days that they are learning more about God, that they're growing in their intimate relationship with God. They have a decision to say, Monday and Thursday, I'm going to bring what I learned on a Sunday and Wednesday to my normal life. Because it's easy to be in here and hear this, but how are we going to execute and actually apply these things? How are we going to fully trust God if we're just going to leave it on a Sunday? So for us, the most important day might be Monday. It might be right now. It might be us moving, saying, I want to give God my full life, this thing that I'm holding on to, that I know what it is. And you know what? When, even when I let go of this, God is saying, I'm, I'm changing more and more in your life than you even thought you had. So I look at that as a challenge. The reason why I share that is because I, I want to make sure that I am encouraging and that we're doing this together. Because every aspect of our life, every season we're going to go through, needs to be given to God. Because once we're going to be holding on to one thing, we let go of this and we trust God, something else is going to happen in our life. And are we going to be ready to fully trust God again? Or are we going to keep holding on to the next thing? It's going to cause us to not move forward in our life. One day and tomorrow. So with that, um, the, band, the band will come back up. I just want to end with, I want to end with a, just a, a personal story of how, how I had to let go. And it wouldn't be fair to come up here and say, I think you should without sharing how I have in just one season of my life. I was, um, this probably started <clears throat> in middle school and high school. I, um, I have ADHD. Anyone else? Hey, shout out to ADHD. My wife calls it my superpower, all right? I, uh, I can barely focus for more than like 30 seconds. Okay, and uh, growing up, I learned that that I have it, and I, I just I, I knew that this was going to be who I am. But this meant that I, I also didn't really do good in school. I got really bad grades, like middle school and high school, like did not go well. I can barely focus, and so the thing that I thought that I was I was what made me uh, uh, important or that I had value was that I was funny. I made people laugh in the class. I was a class clown, and uh, I as time went on, I, I realized I'm just. I'm only here to make them laugh. But on the inside, I'm holding on that this is now my identity. I'm not smart. I would tell myself all the time that I'm dumb. All I'm good for is to make people laugh. And as time went on, I got to high school, I realized, wait, they're not even laughing with me. They're actually laughing at me. Is this who I want to be for the rest of my life? Is this my identity? And it wasn't until, until years later I realized, what would happen if I trust God with this, I loosen my grip, I drop my rectangle, and I accept the triangle that God has for me, that God is saying, this is the perfect fit. What you're holding on to is never going to fit. You can try every single direction. You think this is you, but I have something better. Stop holding on to the rectangle. Take this perfect fit that I'm going to give you and see what your life is going to look like. 
So I started encouraging myself, saying, maybe, maybe I don't need to be just the funny guy. Maybe I can actually do something meaningful with my life. And so I had to let go of who I was, who I thought I was meant to be, who I thought God was actually saying, you're just, you're just, just going to be the funny guy. And as time went on, I realized God had bigger plans for me. I was only trying to accept the change that God was going to do in this little cottage of my life. But as time went on, God lived with me in it, and he built a courtyard. He built wings. He threw a second story. He threw towers. He threw a jacuzzi in the backyard. It was in those moments that I realized I let go of all aspects of my life. And it leads me to opportunities like this to share with you, I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know what it is in this season of your life. You do. And you have the choice to say, Jesus is better than this thing that I'm gripping and holding. Imagine what my life will look like if I let go. Let me pray, and um, I want to give you a second just to, to process this. But God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for these moments like this, God, where we... We get to grow in this relationship we have with you. And God, it's through this divine exchange of us letting go of what we think is important or, or what we think we're, we're made to be or made to do or this is what our pride looks like or this is who we are. And God, you're saying, I, you want us to let go of that. And in this exchange, you want us to take the shape that you have, which is perfect. It's the only shape that's going to fit in this, this spot in our life, God. And so for the people in this room, I pray that we get to identify what that is. And that we get to trust the process, brick by brick, step by step. That you are building something different than what we even thought of in the first place. And although it might be scary, you might feel empty. God, you know what's, what's best for us. You're smarter than us. You are better than us. You hold the power, God. And so I pray that we can let go of our rectangles, let go of the thing that we're gripping so tightly and take this triangle that you have, take this perfect fit. But when we do that, allow us to fully trust you, to give you our entire life. God, allow, allow you to move and transform and shape our insides, God, that we can look a lot more like you. So we love you. We pray for you this time. Let's pray this in your name. Amen.